More local content. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Now, two full hours. More Reese means more coffee. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am Reese Boyd, local attorney here in town with the firm of Davis and Boyd, Attorneys at Law. I'm your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. Welcome to the show. It is Saturday, April 25, 2020, 7.07 in the morning on your Saturday morning. Hope you guys are doing well this morning. It's Saturday morning coffee. We invite you to sit down, pour yourself a cup of your favorite coffee. Join us as we talk about the news, current events, what's going going on in your world, all the things that we think you need to know. And, of course, there is a lot going on, a lot of information uh, coming at us. Here at Saturday Morning Coffee, we're all about limited government, lower taxes, and surviving the coronavirus pandemic because uh, all of those things mean more freedom for you and me and all of us who are we the people. We've got a country to save, and it starts right here on the local level. So let's get to it. We invite you to settle in with a cup of your favorite coffee. Open up your newspaper if you have one and join us as we we get your day going here on this uh, fairly lovely Saturday morning here on the Grand Strand. It is, uh, again, 7.08 now on your Saturday morning. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Reese Boyd here in the studio. I'm joined by producer extraordinaire Glenn Dye. How you doing, Mr. Producer? How you doing I am doing fine. Reese, how are you this morning? Oh, I, I could not be better, Glenn. Good. I could not be better. Glad to hear that. Feeling well. Everybody's well. We're, yeah. feeling, we're feeling blessed. It is a beautiful day today. 74 degrees expected today. No, yeah. No small chance of a passing shower, but nothing to be. Nothing to keep you off the Hulk today. Nothing to keep me off the Hulk. Yeah. And if you live in a municipality where you can enjoy that lovely Grand Strand Beach mm-hmm. that you see out there before you, yeah. we encourage you to get out and enjoy some socially distanced uh, sunshine to drive away that coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hopefully, uh, you live in an area where you can partake, and uh, if you don't, we're sorry for that, but um, we um, do encourage you to get out and enjoy the beautiful weather. It has been a beautiful week. Speaking of getting some sunshine, uh, Glenn, did you... uh, did you have your uh, pine saw injection this morning? <laughs> yeah. Now I sniffed some Lysol, right? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I, did you see that Lysol with the straw, the curly straw coming out of it on Facebook? Yeah. 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 It's uh, it's really interesting. You know, I think if you really look at what the president said, I don't think he was telling anybody to drink uh, pine no. saw or inject Lysol or anything of the sort. But of course, that is what the media would want you to believe. And Lysol had to put out a statement. Yeah. You know, and- we don't. We don't want you to do this. Come on. I, I mean, it is just crazy. I guess they learn from the pod, t- the the uh, the Tide, the Tide pods. pods. Yeah, yeah, I guess if I guess if people will eat a Tide pod. Yeah. Well, Maryland said they had over 100 calls due to some type of disinfectant yeah. ingestion or something. Yeah, yeah. I came from Maryland, and I don't. I believe it. That's not fake news. That's <laughs> not fake news. That's real. That's that's the real deal. <laughs> So, ladies and gentlemen, we are, that is uh, Glenn Dye, and I'm joined here in the studio by Mr. Dye, producer extraordinaire. By the way, Glenn, what's the coffee this morning? What are we drinking? Uh, I am still hooked on the, uh, st- not actually hooked, yeah, because of Starbucks. Um, there's something in there that makes people keep coming back. Um, but uh, the Starbucks French roast, um, 
Um, I, I'm still not at the bottom of that bag. When you shop at Costco yeah. and you buy coffee, buy you've got it for a long time. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's funny. We um, we have we have one of the things I think one of the things we'll talk about on the show today, y'all, is how has your uh, how has your pandemic, your coronavirus experience altered your view of the world? What are the things that you maybe appreciate now a little bit more that perhaps uh, you didn't? A few weeks ago, one of the things I appreciate even more than I once did is a, a great cup of coffee. You know, yeah. We've run out yeah. of some of the coffee that we enjoy and yeah. haven't been able to get uh, re- resupply on, on everything. And, and, you know, you go to the, you put in these orders. We've been doing the online uh, grocery shopping. You put in these orders and you get back and it's kind of like the lottery. You know, what did you get? <laughs> yeah. What was available? Yeah, yeah. What did they substitute? And uh, so we, you know, you kind of you know, have to be creative and use your, uh, you know, use your network. I went out and um, <laughs> we had a little game going in the house, Glenn, about toilet paper. How many squares my wife and I wanted to figure out, you know, I'm, we're trying to conserve because we were getting low. All right. So we had this discussion, how many squares does it take? And of course, I was reminded of the sign. I, I started to pull the audio of, uh, you know, the famous Seinfeld episode, Can You Spare a Single Square? So yep, we, were, yep. we were having a discussion in the house as to how many squares you need for each visit and how long will our supply last. Anyway, we went out and got resupplied. I, I, I know a guy. So I called a guy. He's like, Reese, how many, uh, how many rolls do you need? You need 36? You want 72? He'd show up. He's like, did you bring the money? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, thankfully I have some, some clients that are good friends and well-connected. So we, uh, we're now re- resup- resupplied on the toilet paper front. <laughs> And if you need a roll, let us know. I now have plenty of toilet paper. So I'll bring you. How many you want? How many you want? And so if you need a roll, let us know. And, uh, but we, uh, you know, you have to be creative. You mm-hmm. know, if you go to the grocery store, you put in an order. Sometimes it comes back with half of what you want, you know, two-thirds of what you want. A lot of it's substituted. So I'd, I'd run around. I'd go to, you know, Lee's Farmer's Market and right. grab some, you know, grab this and grab that. And so I'll go down here and I'll do this and I'll get that. And so you kind of learn to kind of piece it together. But one of the things going forward, I know I will never look at a well-stocked grocery store again the same way. Right. You know? And um, because I, I thought about this. Think about this. For, in our lifetimes, have we ever experienced a moment when we could not walk into a grocery store and buy, you know, what, I mean, whatever you needed was there. I mean, it, obviously, you got to have cash. you got to have some money. Mm-hmm. And so economics is, uh, is part of it. But in terms of living in a land of plenty, mm-hmm. where you walk into a grocery store and whatever you want is there. And, and with the com- computer-assisted ordering, uh, that's really made it there. CAO. You know, I came from a 35-year background in yeah. grocery. Oh, um, yeah. uh, we always try to keep our, our, um, our shelves stocked. But, I mean, the hurricanes, uh, tornadoes. Uh, they tend to wipe you out on water and things. This oh, is the, yeah. This is the first time I've ever seen a, a, a pandemic uh, in, in my 35 years. And I, the first time I saw people go nuts over toilet paper. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about adding it to your retirement plan. You know, yeah. gold, silver gold, in silver. your portfolio and maybe some northern. Little, little toilet paper. Yeah. Little, I mean, like quilted northern. Qu- yeah, quilted Two-ply. northern. Two-ply. Yeah. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. But, so you, yeah. And, of course, growing up on the coast, I had seen hurricanes. I'd been through, mm-hmm. you know, periods of limited uh, limited uh, situations where you necessarily, you know, couldn't get whatever necessarily you, you wanted. But never been through a period, never had a period in my life where you just, 
you, 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 we're accustomed to walking into the store and whatever we want is there. Right. And it's not a, you know? it's not a supply problem. It's a logistics problem. Oh, yeah. yeah That's yeah. all. I mean, there's plenty of food. There's plenty of toilet paper. There's plenty of paper towels. Well, and, and logistics. We, yeah, we've all seen the tragic uh, pictures of the... Uh, the uh, you know the crops being burned and yeah I mean it's not yeah. a, it's still Tilling not a supply over. problem and of course we've got some you know issues within the meatpacking industry and yeah. so that's a problem a lot of but a lot of logistic stuff but uh, for the most part we live have lived in a time of unprecedented plenty mm-hmm. and uh, you know I'll, I'll never uh, honestly look at a grocery store shelf quite the same way yeah. uh, did, did so. you did you have any friends that bought chicks. You know, for chicken, chicks. For you chicken? saw, oh yeah, chicken. The chicks, like right before Easter, were just selling out as soon as they got them because people were worried about protein and the and the supply chain. So they're actually going to raise chickens, which I think takes six months in order to to find out if you have a hen that can lay you, eggs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just it, it baffles me what goes through people's minds. I, I thought I was kind of you know a prepper to a degree, yeah, but no, yeah. I, it never occurred to me to buy chicks. <laughs> but they were, man. Yeah, they were that's funny. Out as soon as I got them, that's funny. So, uh, folks, we've got a great show for you today. Uh, joined in the second hour, we'll we'll be uh, we'll be speaking uh, with Case Britton, who is a candidate for uh, South Carolina House, and uh, he'll be joining us in the second hour. But uh, coming up, we'll. Uh, cover some coronavirus news, some discussion of some issues we've been thinking about here at the program, talking with you over the the recent weeks. So stick around. Uh, We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday morning coffee. Talk Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk everybody welcome back to saturday morning coffee the reese boyd radio hour i am reese boyd your host narrator on this excursion into broadcast excellence where we help you understand the world unpack those items in the news that we think you need to understand do our best um as i said before the break uh we welcome you to uh, join in the discussion you can reach us on the call-in line at 8432 Excuse me, 843-903-2945. That is uh, 843-903-2945. You can also text your comments on the uh, PCRX text line. That's 843-798-TALK, 843-798-8255. You can tweet your comments to me, your host. Twitter handle is at Reese Boyd. We invite you guys to follow the show on Twitter. Sent out a few uh, articles uh, over the past week for things that we would be discussing today on the program. Also, you can email your comments to me at reeseboydsmc at gmail.com, reeseboydsmc at gmail.com. 
Finally, you can also call me at the office of Davis and Boyd Attorneys at Law. Some of you like to talk during more normal hours. This is a little early for some of you, apparently. That number is 843-839-9800. I've had many listeners call the office just to catch up, tell me what they like and don't like about the show. And uh, so we're, uh, we always love the feedback. Love to talk to you. What don't they like? I, I, I've never I heard just, anything. I just throw that in to be polite. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I want to. I want to. I want to make that. Uh, I want to make that. I want to make it sound. Uh, we're we are very humble here at yeah, Saturday Morning Coffee. I, I get that. I have. I actually have gotten some. Uh, the criticism that I got last week was frankly. Uh, some uh, Tony called wanted us to go to three hours. Right, right. So we've ha- we've heard that, but uh, you know, it takes a as we've talked about, it takes a fair amount of time to prep a two-hour show. And uh, you know, when John called me about doing the show initially, uh, John Hennis, the station manager here at uh, WTKN, great American who takes me on the uh, Hulk uh, mountain bike trail occasionally, bangs me up. I'm still <laughs> yeah. I'm still we, weathering. The... We actually talked about that. Yeah, yeah, he had no idea that you took a spill. Oh yeah, I took a nice one. I took a nice one. So I'm uh, trying to keep up with John. The uh, the Grease Lightning is uh, John's new nickname. But uh, John said uh, he said, "What kind of show can we do?" I said, "Well, I want it to be early." So we can get in, you know, get out, get on with our Saturday and mm-hmm. uh, do it early in the morning. Share some uh, share some news, current events, politics over a coffee with the folks uh, in the uh, in, in the morning and uh, let everybody get on with their day. So we we arrived at the initially we were seven to eight, but you guys liked it and gave us good feedback. So now we're seven to nine. But, uh, you know, a three hour show is a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you well know, Glenn. But uh, we do welcome you guys to join the show. Uh, give us your thoughts, uh, feedback. We'd love to hear from you. The call-in line, again, is 843-903-2945. And you can also text us your comments on the PCRX text line at 843-798-8255. Lot- What's that? No, just Andy. Good morning, Andy. We cannot read what you put on the on the text line, the PCRX computers text line. It's we can't. We can't. FCC me, rules. It says that we are not allowed to do that. Uh, so. Yeah, no, that would that would be uh, one of uh, George Carlin's uh, seven uh, but deadly, it is funny. deadly words, Andy. But it is funny. It we'll is uh, funny. give you that. So yeah, it's um, it's uh, always good to hear from y'all. And also want to remind you guys, if you are interested, you can uh, catch. Uh, if you don't. Uh, catch a particular broadcast you want to catch up on your saturday morning coffee fix you can catch the podcast there is a saturday morning coffee podcast if you go into your apple podcast menu or your whatever your podcast app is and search for saturday morning coffee uh, you'll be able to catch the podcast at your convenience so if you miss a show you can always catch up there or you can uh Plug in the podcast and listen to us whenever you like. I love the podcast because it, it, it sinks in my car. So the podcast that I like to listen to, the various podcasts that I keep up with, whenever I'm in the car, if there's nothing on the radio that I want to be listening to, the podcast, I just flip to the podcast menu. Works great. So hope you guys will check that out. We do want to remind you guys that we do live in uh, trying times and we love to, you know, chat, love you I consider you guys like family. But what we talk about is important. Uh, now more than ever, we are reminded that freedom hangs in the balance all around us everywhere. Our freedoms are being diminished and limited and taken away in ways, frankly, that I'm having a hard time getting my arms around. But uh, it is uh, a very unusual, novel time that we're going through. What we do in this country in the next 6, 12 months will have a lot to do with the trajectory over for, for this country uh, for a long time, I think we live in an extremely important time. Our freedoms depend 
on staying informed, staying abreast of what's going on, and standing up and speaking out uh, when the government uh, in, encroaches upon your freedoms unnecessarily. And frankly, there's a lot of that going on and a lot of, uh, a lot of debate, and uh, as you all know already, a lot of debate over whether all the limitations on our freedom are justified or whether we have gone too far, whether we have overreacted, whether we have possibly created a situation that is worse than the problem that we were trying to fix. Over 4 million Americans added to the unemployment rolls this week, bringing the total unemployment uh, uh, for Americans now without jobs to 26 million. These are historically high numbers, folks, that we wouldn't even have imagined a month ago. So, and we're doing things with our government. We have shut our economy down. We're doing things that are having dramatic and lasting impact on our society, on our culture, on the families, on on the children. And we have to really think our way through this. We've got to be careful. And and if we just listen to the public health officials. Uh, we've got a problem. You know, if we listen to the folks that want to shut the economy down for 18 months, uh, there won't be an economy in 18 months. So uh, it's, uh, it's imperative that we stand up, speak out uh, for the freedoms that have made us uh, the great country that we are. As I said in the outset here at Saturday Morning Coffee, we're all about limited government, lower taxes, because those mean more freedom for you. And we've got to stand up for our freedom, freedom for you, freedom for me and all of us who are uh, we the people. And uh, it's imperative that we not uh, go to sleep at the wheel. And I wanted to start with a, um, just a brief uh, coronavirus update, as we often do, give you guys the numbers. The uh, World Meter site uh, indicates that we're now up to 2.845 million coronavirus cases, 197,846 deaths. On the uh, U.S. side, we've got... Uh, 925,758 total cases. Uh, New cases reported yesterday were 526. And uh, total deaths in uh, in the U.S. now crossing the uh, $50,000, excuse me, $50,000 mark. So it's a a very interesting um, situation that we're in. Several states are beginning to push back. Uh, we've had discussions here about whether or not the limitations that have been posed upon businesses are all justified. And I would love to hear y'all's thoughts. It's a very, um, very difficult question to resolve. Some people uh, are of the opinion that we need to stay locked down as long as possible. I think we've reached the point where it's not uh, entirely clear that what we have done is uh, necessarily been the best course. I'm not sure that the continued lockdown is justified, but there's a polling that uh, came out and it does, you know, it, it is on some level discouraging because frankly, I've been surprised at the, not only the eagerness with which some people have surrendered their freedom, but then you've had people who have been running uh, to government, running to their governors, running to the governor saying, please lock us in our homes, take away our freedoms. Uh, interestingly enough on Politico, this is from... August, excuse me, April 22nd, 23rd, I believe, only 30% of respondents think the top national priority should be to get the economy up and running again. A majority of Americans think it's more important to stay home than return to work. 
A substantial majority of Americans say remaining at home to combat the coronavirus spread is more important than returning to work in a bid to jumpstart the economy. So I'd love to hear what you guys uh, think about that. Um, Wendy, are you getting the ringing? Did you you see the? We had somebody ringing a minute ago and it uh, didn't pick up. But, um, but yeah, we'd love to hear what you guys uh, think about that and uh, love to hear your, uh, your thoughts on whether we are on the right track, whether it's time to reopen, or whether you think we should continue to be uh, locked down. One of the things that I think is uh, really interesting is the manner in which the uh, lockdowns have been employed, as we've said, have created tons of hardship for folks, tons of hardship. And so that all has to be balanced uh, against the, the public health benefit. And so it's, a, it's not, an easy question, uh, not an easy question to resolve. These are difficult times. I think we have, by and large, overreacted. But uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough question. I have been uh, moderated in my response by my friends in the medical profession. They've talked to me. They've called me from the beginning and said, man, this is serious. This is not a problem to be uh, to be uh, trifled with. This is a serious, serious issue. So it's been a difficult question to resolve. But I think we've gotten to the point now where uh, my personal view is we need to begin this process of getting uh, getting everybody back to work and getting us back to some kind of normal. Love to hear from you all on that question. It's uh, the question of the hour. Stick around. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. And more coming up next on Talk 94.5. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour, two full hours on Talk 94.5. That's great, it starts with an earthquake, birds and snakes and airplane. Lenny Bruce is not afraid. I have a hurricane, listen to yourself, turn world so its own needs, dummy serve your own needs, beat it up an ox, beat grunt, no strength, the ladder starts to clatter with fear, fight down high, wire in a fire, represent seven games in a Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am Reese Boyd, your host, 7.36 a.m. Excuse me. Yes, 7.36 a.m. here on your Saturday morning. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee. That's our uh, coronavirus update theme song. It's the end of the world as we know it. 
and I feel fine. Which has sort of been the theme of uh, feeling fine these last few weeks. I think for much of the uh, area, most of us have pretty well gone about our uh, lives in many normal ways. It's just that uh, everybody's been inside their homes. And um, by the way, the uh, DHEC, latest uh, DHEC numbers for, um, if I can uh, put my hands on those, didn't give the latest uh, South Carolina DHEC numbers. DHEC tweeted out yesterday as of 5.30 p.m., 168 new cases of COVID-19, eight additional deaths, bringing the total in South Carolina confirmed uh, to have passed from the COVID-19 outbreak to 5,070 is the total confirmed cases. Those who have passed away is 157 um, based on the available onset data from individuals that have tested positive for COVID-19. The DHEC, Department of Health and Environmental Control, estimates that as of April 23rd, 73% of the individuals who have uh, contracted COVID-19 in South Carolina have recovered and 27, 27% uh, remain ill. So the latest numbers are 5,070 cases in South Carolina with 157 deaths. Interestingly enough, and one of the points that um, we'll get to is it seems as though, based on recent studies, that the that the COVID-19 pandemic is far more widespread uh, than we initially thought, um, which is good and bad, as we've talked about on this program. Good in that more of us uh, are bad and that more of us will get it, but good in that the, the resulting mortality rate, the, 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 the fatality percentage for those who contract the virus is way, way lower than some initially uh, estimated. Uh, U.S. Journal, uh, U.S. Uh, excuse me, Wall Street Journal reports U.S. death toll from coronavirus pandemic surpassed 50,000 as some states began reporting parts of their economy uh, to reopen as President Trump signed stimulus legislation boosting small businesses, hospital and testing, hospitals and testing. Confirmed coronavirus cases worldwide exceeded 2.78 million with more than 195,000 dead, according to data from Johns Hopkins University. The U.S. has accounted for nearly a third of the cases, exceeding 890,000, with more than a quarter of the deaths at 51,017, according to Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins numbers are always uh, slightly less than the world meters numbers that we uh, quoted earlier. Uh, Experts say a lack of widespread virus testing and differences in reporting standards could be masking the extent of the virus's spread. World Health Organization and leaders from around the globe call for an initiative to speed up testing. And uh, in Georgia, officials have begun easing pandemic-related restrictions on Friday with plans to open businesses such as barbershops, bowling alleys, and gyms. In-person religious services can begin again in Georgia over the weekend, this weekend. Restaurants and movie theaters will be allowed to reopen on Monday. Georgia's move, the nation's most aggressive, uh, drew condemnation from several mayors and including uh, some condemnation from the president, uh, who indicated in uh, press conferences Thursday and Friday that he uh, disagreed with the uh, Georgia order, which is a little bit um, unfair, I think, uh, to call it like it is. I think the president was a little bit unfair because he had been encouraging governors and others who were resisting 
these uh, draconian state measures uh, to lock the economy down. And when Georgia actually moved to reopen their economy, uh, the president was less than supportive, shall we say. So I'm not sure that was the right signal to send, but that's what he said. I think so. the bowling alleys and the tattoo parlors was the issue. You know, I understand yeah. the hair. Yeah. I mean, we. I need a haircut. You need a haircut, right? I mean, it's been forever, Definitely. right? Yeah. It's been forever, but it's been forever. I can understand the hair. You know, the cosmetology and yeah. the salons like that opening, but you know, really tattoo parlors and and bowling. I can see them being spaced out. So I mean, getting out you and know. getting some exercise. So. Yeah. I don't know about tattoos. Yeah, I, you know, the tattoo parlors I don't get. But again, you know, one of the things that I have thought about in discussing this uh, with folks and, and talking to clients, I've got clients that are contemplating uh, what they're doing with their businesses because their businesses are shut down. Yeah. Yeah. And the truth is, the truth is, here's the, here's the interesting question. Um, you know, you and I may not need the services of a tattoo parlor. True. But if you are the head of a household and you run a tattoo parlor and you have a family to support sure that tattoo parlor is an essential service i actually saw last night uh, a guy getting a tattoo with a mask on a tattoo artist uh, with a mask on as well and so i mean yeah Yeah. i mean as far as putting food on the table i mean if our hair gets any longer we might be looking for tattoos buddy i'm looking for somebody (laughs) to cut my hair if you would like to make an additional uh uh bit of change we've got it we'll have to put together a prize package for any individual willing to come to my backyard you don't even now that's an interesting question is it uh proper for someone to come to your backyard it's not we're not operating yeah we're not operating a barbershop i, I think i'm just gonna let carol do it you're gonna um, let carol do it I, i've got clippers i, I trust her i mean yeah. she's not she won't cut into the hairline or anything that um and she's you know kind of a perfect kind of yeah. creature anyway so i think she would just try to do a perfect job i'm gonna let my wife try uh, this afternoon in the backyard and of course she wants to videotape it just, oh, she does. just in case something goes yeah. wrong i'm sure um this uh being circulated online governor henry mcmaster recently issued an executive order that forces all non-essential businesses to close in order to stop the, br- the spread of the wuhan coronavirus small businesses like barbershops nail salons and jewelry stores have been labeled non-essential and it is illegal for them to open Hundreds of thousands of South Carolinians are now unemployed. In addition, in addition, the governor has deferred authority to local government to keep parks and beaches closed. However, Governor McMaster included many loopholes in his executive orders. The elite country club, where the governor has been a member for years, is still open. While millions of South Carolinians are stuck at home, paying members at the, uh, at the aforementioned golf club can golf play tennis, and uh, frolic on the expansive grounds as they see fit. Who decides, this is the question that this petition is circul- that's circulating online asks, who decides which businesses can stay open and which businesses have to close? Governor McMaster has supposedly deferred the decision-making to various unelected bureaucrats at the State Department of Commerce. Governor McMaster wants them to decide or has delegated to them the the decision-making for deciding who is essential and who is not. Why should politicians and their unelected bureaucrats get to decide who is essential and who is not? Why should they get to determine what businesses can survive and which ones are forced to close? These are very valid questions, y'all. What parameters are we using to determine what businesses are essential and which ones are not? 
If the Chinese coronavirus is as big a threat to our health and safety as some allege, why not close down every business? Hmm. If it's not a threat, why not let the business owners decide for themselves? As taxpayers, we deserve to know the answers to these questions. And uh, so this is a... um, this is one of those online um, petitions that's circulating, and you fill in your information, and you join the petition, and it's submitted to your um, to your um, to your legislators. I'll share that on the uh, on the uh, tweet on the Twitter feed. Um, but uh, very interesting questions, and it's fascinating because for the person who is running the business, who has their life savings potentially invested in that business. Every business is essential. Mm-hmm. Every business is essential. Yeah. And who are we to say, well, your business has to go away? And I'm sorry, but it just isn't essential. Well, you know, I was only doing empty houses. You know, I own a blind shade and shutter business, and I've only been doing empty houses. Um, and meeting with clients really hasn't happened. Uh, I got yeah. everything ordered before. But now the factories are shut down. So, I mean, I can't even, I can't can't even, even order blinds. Blunts. And they're yeah. talking middle of May. So, you know, it's a nice um, little... Um, vacation I look at because yep. I mean I'm not going to be yep. busy with that but you know. so <clears throat> interesting questions we have to continue to wrestle with here on uh, Saturday morning coffee and elsewhere stick with us folks we'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday morning coffee don't leave town Saturday morning coffee. Call the show at 843-903-2945. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour returns after these on Talk 94.5. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. Two full hours on Talk 94.5. everybody welcome back to saturday morning coffee the reese boyd radio hour i am reese boyd your host for the program thanks for sticking with us as we uh, help get your saturday morning going it is 7 50 on your saturday morning thanks for uh, joining us here on saturday morning coffee speaking of um, having your civil liberties curtailed uh, this interesting item from wmbf news don't think we've talked about Authorities cite 10 people at Merle's Inlet Bar for violating the governor's order. Ten people were issued citations Friday for violating South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster's order after deputies said they discovered them at a bar in Merle's Inlet. I can't, I can't imagine. They, they went, went down in history. They went, yeah, they went down the in Tito's, history. right? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Um, it, yeah Uncle Tito's. Yep. It was, according to information provided by the Georgetown County Sheriff's Office, deputies were notified that... Uncle Tito's in, uh, <laughs> on Business 17 in Rosalind was allowing patrons in the back door. 
operating in violation of Governor McMaster's emergency declaration. A little speakeasy. Yeah, just helping them, uh, you know, get on the map. (laughs) When officers entered at 9 p.m., they found people seated and standing throughout the bar in possession of alcoholic beverages. The release stated deputies were told by a person behind the bar that people were playing darts and conducting a work meeting. (laughs) This is an essential. We are speaking of essential businesses. We're an essential business, deputy. This is a work meeting. Authorities determined that not all the people were employees, according to the release. The following were issued citations uh, failure for failure to disperse in an emergency area. Not going to name the names, but uh, mm-hmm. 10 of the fine upstanding folks uh, from uh, the area were cited. That was on uh, April 17. And again, you know, it's interesting to me, folks, how eager many people have just, you know, not only rolled over and seen their freedoms curtailed, but have literally run to the governor's office screaming, please take away my freedom. I mean, it is, hmm. it's more than unsettling, um, more than unsettling. By the way, uh, I've got quite a few of you checking in on the PCRX text line. Augie, thanks for saying hello. Good morning uh, to you. Got all the deplorables checking in. Tim, the car guy. Yes, Tim, it is a republic if we can keep it. Those are the immortal words of Benjamin Franklin. And sometimes I wonder if we can, uh, frankly. It's, um, <clears throat> it really does give you pause uh, when you see the way we have responded mm-hmm. to this pandemic. And frankly, I have said this, uh, I've said this before on this program. I've said it before on other programs on this radio station. I have this feeling, Glenn, that if we had, uh, if our grandparents had responded to uh, Nazism and fascism in the 40s, the way we are responding now to this uh, coronavirus pandemic, yeah, uh, we would probably be speaking German. Yeah, you know, we would probably be speaking German, and it would not be Undervar. No, no, uh, it would not, and uh, it's unfortunate. But uh, you know, one of the things that we learn as we go through this is we have responded to fear. I have come to believe uh, that the Democrats are peddling fear and panic. There are many members of the president's own administration who are peddling fear and panic, and that fear and panic is almost never a basis for sound decision making. You know, one of the things that I would say about President Trump, I think to a degree, he's listened too much to the public health people. I think he should have also listened to the economist. He should have listened to he should have listened to Kudlow and other economists within his administration who give a balanced perspective. All of this economic hardship that we are enduring has come at a great cost, including the cost of life. Suicide rates are up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, drug use is up. Alcohol use is up. up. Uh, Depression is but well down yeah. but up um and so labor department reported last week the number of americans applying for state unemployment benefits totaled 4.5 million last week the uh combined with prior four jobless week claims jobless uh, claims reports for the for the four prior weeks number of americans who have filed for unemployment over the last five weeks 26.45 million the number far exceeds the 22.4 million jobs added to payroll payrolls since November 2009, when the U.S. economy began to add jobs after the Great Recession. So uh, we lost 8.7 million jobs during the Great Recession, going all the way back to 2009. Since that time, we've added 22.4 million jobs back to the payroll, the total payrolls. 
And in a mere five weeks, we have erased all of those gains since 2009. It took only five weeks, this from CNBC.com, took only five weeks for the U.S. economy to wipe out all job gains it has added over the last 11 years. Coronavirus-induced business closures throughout the U.S. have fueled the number of Americans applying for state unemployment benefits. We are facing an unforeseen enemy, and today's report continues to show how challenging these times are for Americans who want to get back to work. And, uh, folks, those, those numbers reflect real losses. They reflect, uh, I've got clients that were in the midst of opening businesses. Those businesses are now in limbo. I've got clients that are losing uh, substantial portions, if not all, of their life savings because they were in the midst of trying to build businesses, build uh, opportunities for themselves and their family, and this thing uh, just came in and, and caught everybody off guard. But it's not only that, it's the way we've responded to it. It is the, uh, the way we have allowed ourselves to um, respond in fear, frankly. Fear, and I would say some degree, in some degree, panic. You know, interestingly enough, Glenn, the models have not worked out. You know, we, we talked about this a bit last week. Yeah. The, initial, the initial models given to the American people were that 2.2 million Americans may die as a result of this. Mm-hmm. Then they, res- they revised those models down. Then it was going to be, oh, it, it maybe it might just be a million to a million and a half. And then, and then the, num- the numbers kept being revised and revised and revised. And then it was going to be half a million. Then it was going to be, oh, it's somewhere between 100,000 and 240,000. Well, then that number got revised. Now it's 60,000. So it seems uh, clear that the initial models were completely off base. Interestingly enough, just in South Carolina, the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, that's the IHME uh, Institute in Seattle, those are the primary models that have been relied upon by many, revised its projected fatality count. This is uh, last week for the Palmetto State, predicting that, that 217 South Carolinians would likely die as a result of exposure to the first wave of the virus. That figure is well below the 672 deaths they projected the pr- earlier in the week and much lower than the projection that they originally made, which was 1,090 mm. deaths in the Palmetto State. Mm. So the models have not really held up, to put it mildly. And one of the things that, uh, you know, I've heard being said, I want to just mention for you guys, is they say, well, oh, that just means social distancing is working. And they didn't bake social distancing into the models. Well, in point of fact, yes, they did. They did bake social distancing into the models. And that has been uh, stated time and time again. The uh, estimates assume strong continuation of statewide social distancing measures in places where they are already enacted. That's the IMHE on April 1. And it says the U.S. could experience higher COVID-19 death toll and hospital burdens than what the models currently predict if we don't continue to engage in aggressive social distancing. So all these models that you've heard had had social distancing baked into them, and they were still wrong. So... Stick with us. Uh, We'll be right back after the break with more Saturday morning coffee, and we'll be joined by Case Britton, who is a candidate for South Carolina House. Stick with us. After these words from our sponsors, we'll be back with more Saturday morning coffee. Don't leave town. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. 
Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee. It's the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am Reese Boyd, your host. You're in the bonus second cup hour of Saturday Morning Coffee. Thanks for sticking with us. 8.07 on your Saturday morning. Saturday, April 25, 2020. Invite you guys to join us on the uh, call-in line at 843-903-2945. You can also text your comments to us at 843-798-8255. That's the PCRX text line. Will down at Coastal Sports texting in, open everything. Let the people decide whether or not to open their business. Go to their job or quarantine in their home. If we don't, our country is dead in months, and there will be no elections, no government, et cetera, et cetera. I think a lot of folks are feeling that, Will. Not everybody's uh, willing to say it, but I think we're all feeling that in the back of our brain, that there's just something that has got to be fixed, and we've got to press ahead. You know, one of the things uh, Winston Churchill said, when you're going through hell, just keep going. You know, when did we get to the point in this country that sitting at home and binging Netflix and binging bonbons made you a hero. You saw AOC was on um, uh, The Price is Right last week. Was she really? Yeah, she did. She got up to the you know where she bids. <laughs> what is the price? Uh, it, everything was free. <laughs> Everything's free. Yeah, she thought the car was free, the Pala cash was free, that the vacations is free. were free. All this stuff is free. And and for her to say everybody should have like a sit out or a, a you know protest, we're not oh, going to go back want, to work. Yeah, she didn't want people to go back to work <laughs> Are you when kidding this is me? over. Are you kidding me? You know, I used to, I have a friend, folks, who, a dear friend of mine for many years, he used to have a saying, taught me many things. He said, Reese, life is the great teacher. Mm -hmm. And when the pupil is ready, the teacher will appear. What we are going through now, folks, is a teachable moment. You know, you drag, you drag your kids into the kitchen and you sit them down and say, yep. look, what happened, what just happened here in this house is a teachable moment. I yep. want a teachable moment. I want you guys to open your eyes, pay attention to what just happened and remember. Right. And what we are going through now is a teachable moment. What we are experiencing is just a small taste of what you guys can enjoy when the socialist, we need to do a socialist update, Glenn. This is a small mm -hmm. taste of what you guys will get to enjoy if the socialists come to power. They want you to stay home, binge Netflix, eat your bonbons, sit on your couch, and wait for your check. Yep. I mean, that's it. Yep. That's, that's their definition of hero. And that way you're totally dependent on them and you're not going to give them any lip. And that's exactly what they want. Folks, that's exactly what they want. Interestingly enough, we said earlier that the uh, coronavirus, much more widespread, frankly, than many of us think. I tend to believe that there are plenty of you listening to, uh, to my voice who have had it and don't even know it. We've already talked uh, previously about the Stanford study last week that was released not yesterday but the Friday before that said the infection rate could be 50 to 80 times more widespread than we previously believed. That's a Stanford University research team that was uh, based in Santa Clara County, California, found that 2.5 to 4.2 percent of everybody they tested were positive for coronavirus antibodies. This week, we got another study. This one out of New York, testing data from New York. Looks like, according to the New York study, that the, that the uh, out of 3,000 tested from 19 counties, 13.9 percent. Now, this is New York. 
but 13.9% tested positive for antibodies. That's far beyond any case count that New York has even contemplated. That would mean that 2.7 million New Yorkers already have had coronavirus. And what that also means is that the fatality rate is way, not slightly under, but way under 1%, like less than half a percent. And, uh, you know, and frankly, folks, uh, the, uh, the seasonal flu is a, is a tenth of a percent. So we're talking about an illness that may not be manifestly worse than the seasonal flu, depending on where the data goes. And we really just don't know. That's the big question. We just don't know. But um, switching gears for a minute, Glenn, you know, one of the things I sometimes uh, think I'm a... Um, should, should go to work as a political consultant. I've given some pretty valuable political advice out this week, if I do say so myself. Okay. Actually, in a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Case Britton. Case is running for the uh, South Carolina House. Case is a uh, native of Conway, and uh, he's an attorney, another attorney here in town. He is uh, running for House District 107, and, which is currently held by Representative Alan Clemens, a seat that Alan Clemens has held since uh, 2003. So Case is going to be joining us on the show in just a few moments. But uh, one of the things that somebody called and another candidate called and I said, uh, look, here's the deal. And I'll give this advice to all you candidates listening because I know you guys listen. When people start picking on you on Facebook, if you are a candidate for political office, you cannot engage every yokel who has something negative to say about you on Facebook. And I uh, had this discussion with somebody this week who's a candidate. I said, look, you just, that's not what you do. You can't, s- social media, the universe of social media, by and large, 90% of it is, you know, sound and fury signifying nothing. It and childish. Will, and yeah, mm-hmm. and it will pass tomorrow. There'll be a whole new, you mm-hmm. know, uh, bevy of post. And so if you are in the practice as a candidate, of uh, responding to every single thing negatively said about you on uh, social media, you're, you're not going to be successful. And you're going to, I remember uh, when I was a candidate, I've been a candidate, my wife would, uh, we would be watching uh, Facebook at, you know, in the evening posting something and something would get posted that I didn't agree with. And she would say, oh no, don't do it. Don't yeah, read it. Yeah. Don't read it. Uh, because, so I've been down the path, but you cannot respond to everything uh, negative that is said about you on social media, because there are going to be plenty of negative things said about you on social media. You got to put your position out there mm-hmm. and let folks reflect on it, agree with it, disagree with it. But you cannot debate everybody on social media who wants to take pot shots at you. Many of them aren't even going to be real, frankly. They're going to be people that are just paid to take pot shots at you, and you're never going to convince them of anything. When's the last time you saw an argument resolved, one, on Twitter, Glenn? Never. Never. Uh, yeah, and it's like um, just because you put it on Facebook, you're going to convince me to think like you think. Um, you know, the other thing is it's um, it, it, people don't like change. And if you're trying to make change, you need to make your position known and not argue in the trenches with people that don't matter. Yeah. Somebody, opinion. I, I, and I think you're right. And I said, look, you cannot, you're not going to win by getting into a fist fight every night on yeah. social media. You can't do that. You just don't. It's a waste of time. It demeans you. I think it makes you look 
bad too. Yeah, you know? I mean, you're not the kind of person that needs to be elected if that's what you're going to do, frankly. And frankly, you've got you need you need to use every moment that you have to do things that will be constructive, that right. will translate into votes. Tell people why you're the man or the and, woman. And and somebody said, uh, you know, this guy's out to get me, and this is what they said. And it, the other thing you can't do on social media and in politics is just assume that everybody is out to get you. And we were talking about a particular exchange of posts. And I said, look, remember, everybody should remember this. It's called Hanlon's Razor. You ever heard of Hanlon's Razor, Glenn? I have not. Hanlon's Razor. It's a little logic uh, for you this morning. Might be a little early on Saturday morning. But Hanlon's Razor says, never ascribe maliciousness to something that can adequately be explained by stupidity. Okay. So, so, you know, never assume that everybody is out to get you. Some people are just stupid. And so, anyway. uh, But it's an interesting, I've uh, uh, had some interesting talks with folks who are running for office. We're going to talk to another candidate uh, who is running for South Carolina House seat 103. That gentleman is Case Britton. He'll be joining us right after the break. So y'all stick around for that. After these words from our sponsors, we'll be right back with more Saturday Morning Coffee. And more. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese means more coffee. Coming up next on Talk 94.5. You're listening to the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Saturday morning coffee on Talk 94.5. Got a girl from the south side. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Maurice Boyd, your host. Thanks for sticking with us on your Saturday morning, 8.20 a.m. on your Saturday morning, Saturday, April 25. As I mentioned before the break, we're going to be joined by Case Britton here on the program. Case is a candidate for South Carolina House, seat 107. I just realized, I tell you, Glenn, sometimes I don't have enough coffee before I come to the show. I can't even read my own notes here. Um, Case Britton is a candidate for... South Carolina House seat 107, which is currently held by Representative Alan Clemens. And Case is from Myrtle Beach. I believe I may have said that earlier he was from Conway. You know, uh, Case, I'm always remembering your dad's office in uh, Conway when I was a kid. And I always uh, tie your family to Conway based when I was like, you know, four. I remember run, riding by your dad's office when he was right across from the old courthouse. And uh, so... I always uh, go back to Conway because that's where I'm from. But I realize you are actually from Myrtle Beach. I think I said Conway earlier. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, and that's no problem. That's a, that was a great office. Um, I, I grew up as well in that office, going around up and down the stairs there. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I bet. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's so. some of my um, 
Earliest memories from uh, downtown Conway include uh, that uh, office being across the street from the courthouse with your dad and the folks that were there with him. So tell me, Case, tell the folks who you are. Who is Case Britton? I'm Case Britton. Like I said, I've been here since I was five years old. I was born in Columbia. My dad was uh, in JAG, so we were in Texas for a couple of years, but I've been here since I was five. I'm married to a lovely woman named Yvonne, and I have two kids, Anna Catherine, who we call Anna Kate. She's getting ready to be eight years old, and a young son um, named Walker, and he is six, and uh, he's my handful. But um, and I got two dogs, so I've got the full set, two and two. You, you've got the whole. You've got the full complement. So um, what, no more needed. Yeah. What uh, and uh, tell us uh, what has uh, prompted you to uh, get involved in politics, case we had and. Let me start by telling you this. I admire anyone who has the courage to uh, step forth and put their name on the ballot. Uh, it's a it's a unique experience and uh, one. But I think one that you, you can't fully appreciate unless you've actually done it. But it is uh, let me, my hat is off to you for the courage that it takes to do that. What prompted you to run for the South Carolina House uh, seat 107? Well, thank you. Thank you for saying that, Reese. Um, I'll be honest with you. Mostly uh, a feeling of, of gratitude and desire to to help our my district and the constituents to uh, achieve a, a better status and um, a better uh, stake. In the monies that come back to uh, our district. Um, I just have a general desire to help people, and yeah. uh, I think this is one of my best ways. Uh, in my, I say young. I'm 42, and I got more gray hair than I think I should, but. Um, <laughs> Um, po- politics, politics is not going to politics not going to help that. By the way, but but go yeah, ahead. People keep saying salt and pepper. <laughs> I think I'm going to stay straight salt. But um, yeah, uh, it's just a desire and, and a gratitude for a place that I grew up. Yeah, um, grew up here, and I want to see um, I want to see the Grand Strand be um, lifted up. Yeah, a little bit more than it has been than it has been in the past. Very good, and. And when you say um, get back more, I think you're referring – South Carolina is a – excuse me, Orie County is a donor county, are we not? We are. You know, we, we give a lot of money to the state. Um, we have beautiful beaches. Um, we have a lot of entertainment down here. Uh, our summers are very economically successful, and that money generates – you know, that the entertainment industry and the beaches generate a lot of money for the state. And so I'd like to bring back more of that money. Our, our money goes to Charleston, Columbia, Greenville. I'd like to see our money come back to the district, back to Horry County. Yeah. And uh, what are some of the other things? What if you uh, if you are elected, if you're successful in in uh, your quest to to get this seat? What what are the other issues? That, what's the the main things you're going to focus on beyond beyond well, that? Beyond that, uh, well, let's see. Um, I'm, I've got a real passion for education. I've got two young children, as, a, as I mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. I was passionate about education before the coronavirus. Uh, and I'm even, I, if it can be more passionate, I'm even more passionate now because I should not be, unfortunately, I'm not the best teacher in the world. Um, and to see what these teachers go through uh, with, I'm just, I just have two kids and they have classrooms full of 20 kids. Oh yeah. And to see what they go through and how they have to sit down and, and teach these kids that not everyone's paying attention and not everyone's behaving. Uh, 
I'm seeing that on a very small scale. I can't imagine the scale that they see it on. So uh, I'd like to help our teachers in any way possible. And I think by helping our teachers, it, it just kind of passes on downward. It helps the teachers better better for the students, better for the schools, better for the districts. So I think you see a better process in general. So definitely want to start there. Big passion for education. Uh, I'd also really want to see an economic resurgence uh, in the downtown area. I think that. It would be a very good plan for Myrtle Beach, the Grand Strand, um, to we could get a, like a, a nice economic you know, revolution down there. Yeah, would be nice as well. Yeah, and of course the big thing is I'd like to get some more access to the beach, to the district. Um, Five hundred one is our lifeline. We have floods, we have hurricanes, we have to sandbag Five hundred one. It's our basically our only way in way out there are a couple other ways in and out but uh, i'd like to see some improvement on our road systems so that we can get more access and bring more money down here sure how um um and when you say get that, that goes back to the equity the funding equity issue oh, that yeah. you're talking about because we, we do send a, a great deal of money to Columbia, and, and frankly we don't get it all back and um, and we have, you know, as you well know, dire needs in terms of infrastructure right here in O'Ree County. Yes, sir. Yeah. So what's it like, Case, trying to campaign in the midst of a coronavirus pandemic? Uh, campaigning, not an easy task in any environment. But what's it like in, in the midst of a coronavirus pandemic? You know, Reese, it's I do want to say this um, as, as tough as it's been, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention and say, I, I want to give a thank you and, and appreciate the, the first responders and the hospital workers, uh, doctors and nurses and staff. Um, and so my election, while important, very important to me, and I have a very strong desire to, to do well, um, is second, of course, to dealing with this coronavirus and, our, and, and getting, making sure that we have a prosperous year. Um, but having said that, I can't get out and talk to people, so that's very tough. So public forums like this are important for me. Um, you know, you can't really gather more than three people still. I know that the rules on that are starting to loosen up a little bit. Uh, so fundraising has been pretty tough because it's pretty tough to ask somebody to, to help you get elected when they're not sure if they're getting their next paycheck or not. So that part's been tough. But um, besides that, I've enjoyed getting to know the people that uh, have been able to and trying to reach as many people as I can through social media, uh, this talk show this morning and sure. radio show. And, and of course, uh, Facebook has been something that I, mean, I just joined Facebook, honestly, Reese, about a month ago. I was one of those holdouts. And um, so good, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's been my go to social media where I can post things, let people know about me. And, and I have a, I'm doing what they call pizza on politics. I was supposed to do that during the campaign process where I would go with the neighborhoods and uh, get acquainted with the neighborhoods and the people in the neighborhood. But I've had to do that on uh, Facebook live. And I do that Tuesday nights at six thirty, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's been, I've only done one and it's been a lot of fun so far. Yeah. What, what's the, if folks want to get in touch with the campaign case, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? The best way is, got a couple ways. You can shoot me a message on Facebook, uh, it's Case Britain 2020. And there's also 
my personal page, Case Britton, on Facebook. You can also, if you want to, email me at casebrittonlawfirm.com. And to be honest with you, I want to make sure I can get in touch with the people and so they can text me if they'd like to uh, at Case Britton, which is my number is 843-907-3191. I may get more texts and calls than I can handle, but I'll do my best to get back to every single person that that, uh, has a question for me. And uh, give that email address out one more time, Case. I think you might have broken up a little bit. And I'll I'll spell it too because that last name is a little funky sometimes for people. It's Case, C-A-S-E, at Britain, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-I-N, lawfirm.com. Very good. Very good. Case, listen, good luck to you. Thanks for joining us on the show this morning. Come back anytime. We invite you uh, whenever you want to join us in the studio. Hopefully we'll be back in the studio on a regular basis here soon. Um, We're doing all our interviews by telephone now during the pandemic. But thanks for joining us on the program. And good luck. And, folks, I encourage you to to check out uh, Case's Facebook page and check out the campaign's website. And uh, thanks, Case, for uh, joining us, and and congratulations on putting your name out there, and good luck to you, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon, okay? Thank you very much, Reese. Yes, sir. Folks, that's uh, Case Britton running for South Carolina House Seat 107. Thanks for joining us on the program, Case. Stick around, folks, after these words from our sponsors. We'll be right back with more Saturday morning coffee. Don't leave town. Sometimes I don't know why And time seems to go by so Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, is now two full hours. More Reese coming up next on Talk 94.5. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, on Talk 94.5. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with my brand new adventure. Something grabs a hold of me tightly, flowing like an awful daily and nightly. Will it ever stop, y'all? I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll go to the extreme. I rock a mic like a man. Light up the stage and wax a chop like a candle dance. Caress a speaker that booms. I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom, deadly. When I play a dope melody, anything less than the best. It's a felony, love it, to leave it, you better get away. Good morning, everybody. It's a fun song. Yeah. Check out the hook. Thanks for joining us, folks. You're listening to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Yo, if there's a problem, we'll solve it. You know, maybe Vanilla Ice should run for president. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wasn't he working at Burger King or something? I think he was. Um, good uh, good uh, cover of uh, the Vanilla Ice classic. Uh, folks, I wanted to thank Case Britton for joining us on the show for an uh, interview in the prior segment. And also want to say what I always say, which is uh, we welcome all challengers, all incumbents, every candidate for political office. We've got an open mic policy here at Saturday Morning Coffee. If you want to be on the program, explain to our listeners why you are the best choice uh, for voters come Election Day. We welcome you. Uh, get in touch, and we'll put you on the uh, put you on the program. Love to chat with political candidates uh, because I feel like that's what uh, 
you guys enjoy you guys enjoy hearing uh, from these folks who are um, courageous enough, if I can use that word, to uh, to put their put themselves out there, put their families out there, run for office. So thanks to Case uh, Kes Britton, candidate for House Seat One Hundred Seven, for coming on the program with us, and uh, wanted to um, follow up on a couple of quick points in regards to the earlier discussion uh, that we were having about the coronavirus uh, and the the downturn, and and I thought about this. Uh, Glenn, I hadn't had a chance to say it yet, but you know, when we when we got into this mess, we were think about this, folks. We were told two things: we got to lock everything down, or everybody's going to die. Yep. And we've already talked about that. The models don't work. The IMHE models, the Stanford models, the other models—they don't work. I mean, what is a model? Let's, you know, just quick reminder: a model is an assumption built on an assumption built on a, a, a presumption. Uh, it it is a series of opinions and assumptions built together in some sort of mathematical uh, contraption that produces projections. But all they are are projections. Even the hurricanes. It's a American model, European model. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's nothing more than a series of assumptions linked together in a spreadsheet. And it pops out a number and it may be right or it may be completely wrong. And what we're seeing is that the models with respect to this pandemic, have basically been completely wrong. So we were told, think about this. We were told everybody's going to die. That was was the first position. Second position is, well, everybody may not die, but we have to do this or else our health system is going to be overwhelmed. Yeah, the curve, yeah. The curve. Got to flatten the curve. How many times? When is the last time you heard about flattening the curve? I mean, the curve is basically flat, folks. I mean, it's not flat, but it's not completely flat. But it is also... Not exponential, which is what everybody feared. You know, in April, in mid-April, everybody said, oh, my gosh, the curve is exponential. We're all going to die. Well, it's not exponential. It's not completely flat. Right now, it's a mixed bag. But it's clear we're beyond the exponential growth phase Mm -hmm. that we saw between April, say, 12 and April 18. Mm -hmm. That has come and gone. So the curve has been flattened. It's not completely flat. It's not going down in terms of absolute numbers of cases, but it is flattened. So we were told that we have to do these things in order to, com- to prevent our health system from being overwhelmed. Think about it. They, they carried the hospital ships, the Mercy and the Comfort, yeah. yep. into New York, and everybody then got mad because they weren't going to use them for actually COVID-19 treatment. They were going to use it for overflow treatment of other illnesses and when those ships came to town biden thought we were being invaded by the swiss <laughs> was, uh, he was like oh my god yeah. the swiss are going sound the alarms yeah, but- and so how'd you get in the phone how'd you get in that how'd you get in that microphone so that was not enough we had to put covid patients and by the way if you're a covid patient do you really want to be on a ship <laughs> no, I, don't, I mean, I'm, I'm, it doesn't seem to be a good place to recover from the illness. <laughs> it's not a good place to go right we're, now. I mean, anytime. Yeah, I, it's a they're, floating Petri dish. Yeah, right? we're building, we, we, we built field hospitals. They, uh, Samaritan's Purse built a field hospital in Central Park. They turned Javits Center into a field hospital. And frankly, th- those facilities, by and large, have not been used. Right. And the, and the number of COVID patients that were actually treated on the mercy and the comfort, actually very small. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, do you remember, I wish I had the audio, Andrew Cuomo screaming on, televi- uh, on, on television, you tell me the 26,000 people who are going to die because we don't have enough ventilators? Right. Has there been any report of anybody dying because they didn't have a ventilator? No. There's no, no report of it. Yeah. Has there been anybody that has needed medical attention 
who hasn't gotten it. No, and I haven't heard any reports. Wasn't the number like eighty percent of the people on ventilators died? Also, anyway. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. So the, the the second position was we have to do this because the health system will be overwhelmed if we don't. Well, clearly, the the second argument is also not true. The health system has not been overwhelmed, and it doesn't even appear that it's even been close to being overwhelmed. So the question then becomes, why are we doing these things, y'all? We are destroying, we have largely destroyed a large sector of our economy. We've talked about huge numbers of folks that are unemployed, huge numbers of families who have lost life savings. Here's the ultimate question we need to answer. What is the value added for continuing to lock down all Americans rather than allowing the most healthy among us to get back to work and to begin working while applying general common sense precautionary measures, particularly when we already have evidence, as we were just discussing, that the, that the virus is far more widespread than we previously thought. It's been around, and many of us have it and don't even know we've had it. Yeah. So what is the continued benefit of continuing to lock down? Where is the argument that these continued and further lockdowns will save more lives and that the economic depression that we're bringing about and we are bringing it about will not cost more lives. And frankly, in order to completely answer that question, we need more information. We don't, Mm -hmm. nobody really knows, but my guess is we've gone too far and it's time to begin opening things uh, back up. I want to remind you guys that in the course of this uh, rescue package, economy is likely to shrink, this according to the Wall Street Journal, economy is likely to shrink 12% in the second quarter. That is a 40% drop if it persists for a year. Jobless rate will average 14%. Nonpartisan research service said Friday job losses will come to 27 million in the second and third quarters. The federal budget deficit is expected to reach 3.7 trillion by the end of the fiscal year on September 30th. Y'all, that is insane. Mm-hmm. That is categorically insane. I was already, as a physical conservative, very upset that our president, I love him to death, I love the vast majority of what he has done, but I was already upset with the fact that we were running a trillion-dollar annual deficit before this happened. Mm-hmm. We spent $6 trillion last week, yeah, and it's $6 trillion that we don't have. We don't have it. The budget deficit right now is projected to be $3.7 trillion, and at the rate we are going, it will be higher than that because they are still spending money. So... Uh, As a proportion of gross domestic product, the deficit will end the fiscal year at almost 18% at current projections. That's the highest level since the year after World War II and up from 4.6% in 2019. So we've gone from under 5% to 18%. And federal debt held by the public is projected to hit 101% of gross domestic product by the end of the fiscal year. That means... We could work an entire year. Nobody would eat. Nobody would get anything. And and we would just be able to pay off the public debt held by um, folks here in the country. It's really beginning to create, in my mind, the serious likelihood that we are headed for a major economic crisis. Folks, we have to get deficit spending under control. We don't have any choice. As... AOC will tell you there's a free lunch, but there is no free lunch. Somewhere, somehow, somebody will have to pay this. Somebody will have to pay this debt. 
and it shouldn't be your grandchildren, and they may not even get the chance. So we'll talk a little bit more about that, but um, we've got to go to a break. Speaking of paying the bills, we'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday morning coffee. Don't leave town. Text us, 843-798-TALK. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour, two full hours on Talk 94.5. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice at the same old lies, if you're trying to feel the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee. Wrapping it up here. Glenn, how did we get to the final segment? Very quickly. Flies by. Steve Howell texting in on the Uh PCRX text line. Steve, I appreciate your excellent point. He keeps saying, uh, Steve says, I keep saying that they, who are they, by the way? Uh, We always use that uh, loosely. Uh, They said everybody was going to die. And, of course, I don't mean that literally everyone was going to die. A little, uh. A little hyperbole, a little dramatic hyperbole from your host this morning, folks. Um, they obviously said not everybody was going to die, but there were some uh, projections for predicted uh, mortality associated with this pandemic that were obviously uh, way off the charts uh, incorrect, way off the charts incorrect. I mean, there were, uh, I know I saw one projection at some point early on uh, in excess of $2 million. But nonetheless, it is safe to say that the models have predicted uh, trajectories for the coronavirus that were well uh, beyond what we are actually experiencing. And the interesting thing I would say is, you know, a couple of lessons to learn. One of the things that we have not had a chance to talk about that I wanted to get to today is, what do we do going forward? How do we begin to put the pieces back together? Yes, as I've said, I think we need to, we need to open markets back up. We need to open the economy back up, in a, but I think it needs to be local. One of the things that I would point out of the fatalities that we're talking about, the 50,000 fatalities that we have discussed, and it's over 50,000 at this point, more than half of those fatalities are in New York. And so I do think that that question we were asking just before the break, you know, what is the advantage of continued lockdown? That question can be answered, and not even just on a statewide basis, but it can, be, it can be examined on a local basis. And where you have populations where the density is not anywhere close to what we have in metropolitan areas like New York, I think local leaders working in conjunction with state government, yes, can begin that process. Let's begin that process of opening things back up. Look how many of those deaths in New York were related to a nursing home. Yeah. It's a huge number. And by the way, Andrew Cuomo, did you see his quote about (laughs) y'all have got to go, you know, y'all have to go back. They're they're pushing people back into nursing nursing homes when they know that those nursing homes were essentially uh, 
Petri dishes. Yeah. Petri dishes, yeah. yeah. So I think he'll have some questions to answer about that. I wanted to follow up briefly. But the other thing I was going to say is also, in addition to the deficit spending that we've incurred in this relief package, look where the money's going. You know, I mean, we had uh, Harvard has agreed to give back its uh, portion of the uh, of the relief stimulus package. But initially, Harvard University sitting on a $40 billion endowment. Mm-hmm. By the way, Harvard faculty littered with people who sympathize with, with communist China. And in, as a matter of fact, uh, biochemistry professors at Harvard now under investigation by the Department of Justice <laughs> for literally working with the Chinese Communist Party and the People's Army of China mm-hmm. to develop biograde weapons are... That is the same organization that that initially was slated to receive $9 million of your tax money as a part of this relief package. Now, thankfully, they've agreed to give it back. Yeah, me and Lovey have decided that uh, Tad does not need that new car, so we're going to give that money back. We're going to give that money back. Yes. That's a very, that's a very, is that Thurston Howell III? Yes, Thurston Howell III. So, I do think we were in a very difficult position, a -hmm. position that we created, by the way. I say we, our government created and I do think some stimulus was necessary, but obviously any time the government starts giving away money in trillion-dollar blocks, folks, there are going to be tons of problems. The Harvard thing is just the tip of the iceberg. And this is money, just to remind you, this is money that you are borrowing from your grandchildren. Somebody at some point is going to have to pay that money back. Why are we doing that to those kids? One of the things I've talked about is... Uh, Suspending the payroll tax. We've talked about that on this program. Interesting piece by Arthur Laffer and Steve Forbes in the uh, Wall Street Journal on the opinion page. The plan we recommend would cancel all payroll tax collections from May 1 to the end of the year. This would suspend the Social Security and Medicare tax known as FICA, which takes 7.65% from a worker's paycheck with another 7.65% paid by the employer. Uh, self-employed Americans usually socked with the full 15.3% payroll tax on every paycheck they receive. This would help firms without picking winners and losers. Unlike almost every aspect of the stimulus plan, bailing out airlines, banks, Boeing, energy companies, and all the rest, suspending the payroll tax provides an equal benefit to every company in America. I encourage you guys to uh, get Tom Rice on the phone write him, write your congressman, write anybody you can think of. I think those are the kind of measures that we need to focus on moving forward. If we can get Americans accustomed to what it feels like to actually being able to keep the payroll that they earn, the check that they earn, I think we will begin to make progress on the fiscal front. Until we do that, I don't think we're going to make a lot of progress. Interesting item, Glenn, I found switching gears. Uh, by the way, do you know what Americans are doing during the pandemic? Um, there's a lot of babies going to be born in yeah, nine months. I think so. They're also uh, streaming. We're, uh, speaking yeah. of binging Netflix, yeah. average, uh, average Americans are streaming an average of how many hours a day would you say we're streaming? Um, just a wild guess, five. Present, uh, present estimate is eight hours of content wow. a day. Average person person has binge watched three shows in the past week. Most people have access to four different streaming services. Services mm-hmm. with thirty eight percent of the people logging onto those services five or more times a week. I also agree with you, Glenn. I think there's going to be a, there's going to be a bit of a baby boom and some obesity uh, and some obesity. Yeah. A lot of folks in mean, the refrigerator is like, "What are you doing back here again?" Yeah. 
Interestingly enough, we are Saturday morning coffee. We try to include some coffee news. This bit, a long-term study, finds that unfiltered coffee contains substances that may increase your blood cholesterol. What? Using a filter, however, can get rid of those substances. This makes heart attacks and premature death less likely. This coming from a long-term study as reported by CNN. Hmm. So a French press, you don't want to be doing now. Well, I, you know, I love my French press, but if yeah. you've got one of those permanent coffee, uh, you know, filters, you might yeah. want to drop a, a paper filter in. Yeah. By the way, a little bit of wisdom in the parting wisdom segment, since we are about to leave you folks. When this is over, may we never again take for granted a handshake with a stranger. Full shelves at the store. We talked about that already. Mm-hmm. Conversations with neighbors. A crowded theater. A Friday night out, the taste of communion, a routine checkup, the school rush each morning. Well, we will appreciate that more. Coffee with a friend. We certainly miss that. The stadium roaring. Yeah, yeah. How much do you miss sitting in a crowded stadium? <laughs> the draft was so boring. Last oh, my night. gosh. It was awful. Yeah, it was terrible. Every deep breath. A boring Tuesday. Life itself. When this ends, may we find that we have become more like the people that we wanted to be. More like the people we were called to be. More like the people we hoped to be. And may we stay that way, better for each other, because of the worst. That is uh, courtesy of Laura Kelly Fanucci. Not uh, completely sure who she is, but uh, words of wisdom. As I said earlier in the program, I will never look at an empty or a full store shelf ever again. Let me leave you folks with this bit of wisdom from the Proverbs, as I always do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I want to thank Case Britton again for joining us on the show today. Y'all stick with us. Uh, Chad Caton coming right up. And join us again next week for more Saturday morning coffee. Y'all be blessed. Have a great day. Thanks for waking up with Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.